Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, a big exit prompts change for the Star Wars universe. Could Disney soon be knocking on the door of Netflix? And is this the beginning of the end for Google Stadia? All this and more as we rev up our engines for our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is greatly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He will now be known on the Instagram and the Twitter as Castle with a K, PCC. I like the sound of that. You're going to catch him today on the Twitter and Instagram and always right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is Mr. Marcus Taylor Garza. And Marcus, great to have you back on the program once again. Hey, man. Holla at your boy at Castle with a K. PCC. We made that change literally five minutes before we went on air. I'm really thrilled to uh, be a part of the name change. And, you know, I can still do my drone stuff, my FPV stuff under the umbrella of the PCC. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with the folks. I actually have a new drone coming in in the next two weeks, and I'll be getting back to flying full steam ahead. I'm looking forward to it. But we have some really great topics for the night, Gerald. I'm looking forward to talking about this stuff. I'm that's flying about the noise. right now. Yeah, hey man, that's about the noise that, that you're gonna hear on these videos. Is oh, one of my good friends was totally into drones and totally into that. It was so awesome to see it when they fly. Yep. The problem is he usually crash landed them, but we won't go there. Yeah. But I will say it's gonna be a great episode. We're gonna have for everyone today. TJ Johnson is returning. He was here on the Monday show, had a great conversation with him. And I liked it so much, we decided to go ahead and extend it for our Friday show, The PCC Multiverse. He's going to be talking about Cyberpunk 2077, and is it a good time to return or good time to try it out for those who had issues or who were scared off by all the issues from CD Projekt Red? He's going to let you know on that, plus his thoughts on the Mass Effect trilogy remastered version coming up very soon in May, and also... He's going to talk about if Sony has already taken a commanding lead so far in this next generation of consoles. Plus, we got a lot of other things we're going to talk about, including the reason why Marcus and I started talking to each other in the first place, and that was NASCAR. Because this weekend, it's the Daytona 500, and we're going to preview NASCAR with our thoughts quickly on the best odds, who's favored, who we think is going to win, maybe some surprises. And whoever we think is going to make an impression in the NASCAR season. So we will be talking about that later in the program as well. Google Stadia. Do you remember Google Stadia? Not a lot of people do. There's been some unfortunate changes and some things going on with Google Stadia behind the scenes that 
give people the impression that the tenure for the Google Stadia is not going to be that much longer. We'll talk about that as well. And Disney, you hear that sound, Netflix? Disney is knocking on your door because 95 million strong so far that they just reported today, as far as subscribers are concerned. True, that's half of Netflix, but in half the time or even less. So I will go ahead and talk about Marcus if Netflix should be starting to sweat a little bit more about Disney Plus as well. But first, my friend, we will not be talking WandaVision today. Wanted to go ahead and take a break from WandaVision for just today, because I know it's what everybody's talking about. But my friend, there is so much more to talk about on today's program. And we're going to start off with Gina Carano, who was one of the stars. And the key word there is was one of the stars of The Mandalorian. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on Gina Carano's and all that's going down her social media statements, and stop me if you've ever heard this before, hmm, somebody's statements on social media got them in a whole lot of trouble to the point where they just lost their job. Yeah, Gerald, this is definitely that traditional story of, I said some things that I definitely shouldn't have ever said or thought, really, to be honest. And it, it's it's hard to kind of put that in perspective other than, just don't say dumb things, right? Like don't say things that are offensive to other people, other cultures, other communities. Just don't say those things. And that's what happened here. She said, well, if you want to keep your job, especially one with the Mandalorian, one of the most highly sought after. after Yeah. (laughs) Series that's right now on streaming or any type of format. I mean, broadcast cable doesn't matter. The Mandalorian is what everybody's talking about. And in fact, she was in line to have her own show spinoff as part of the Mandalorian, as far as the Rangers of the New Republic, that she was going to be a major part of. And unfortunately, Marcus, that is no more. Yeah, man. When you say dumb things, you deserve to be punished for your dumb things. That's just my perspective, right? I understand that cancel culture is a thing and we need to be aware of the effects of cancel culture. But, you know, this is definitely a situation where, she took a step too far and she entered a, a realm where what she said was unacceptable. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to repeat any of that, but it's just, I've kind of hit this point where just be a normal human being, be a decent human being. Don't offend anybody. It's not that much to ask of anybody on the internet. Right. But it seems to be the, the largest issue. Gina Carano, I'm so sorry you lost your job, but it, you deserve to lose your job. At the end of the day, yeah, because she had already made some statements in 2020, some things that she posted on Instagram and Twitter and social media such that she she had had, the entire trans community angry at her. Yeah, I mean, she already ruffled some feathers already. She already ruffled some feathers, her thoughts on the coronavirus and, and masks and things of that nature that had already ruffled some feathers in Hollywood and Disney. And I think she had already had it talked to by Disney. And thought that maybe it subsided and maybe she could continue on doing what she wanted to do. She had made some statements in December, and I think she made a little bit more, a little bit more, until finally the point where she made a big statement, I think was two days ago, in regards to, again, something of a political nature and going back in time and into a subject that you really don't want to broach if you want to go ahead. It deals with Germany and World War II and things of that nature and and just dealt with some issues that you really don't want to approach and go ahead because it, that's that's treading on very thin ice. When yeah, you go yeah. ahead and broach those issues and you sound off on what you think is is right and you go ahead and say that, which and if that counteracts from what most of the public thinks out there, then that's going to get you noticed for those type of reasons. And you know what? She crossed the line. She knew she was on thin ice already with Disney. And, you know, she had something lined up with The Mandalorian as a future there. She had the Rangers of the New Republic, which she was going to be a major face of, and her whole career for Hollywood. She had a whole line of career in Hollywood. Now her agency has dumped her, and her future looks very grim at this point in time. You're not wrong. She had been told once already by Disney. She also had been corrected once by Pedro Pascal himself. When she got into trouble in November with the pronouns and her bio on, on Twitter, she made some joke about pronouns in relation to the trans community, and it was 
a joke in poor taste. You know, that's what it was at the end of the day. And she eventually released a statement that said, you know, Pedro Pascal, help me understand why people are putting their personal pronouns in their bio. When you go ahead and spouting off your opinions like that, especially after Disney has spoken to you with all the things that were writing on it for her, mm -hmm. I cannot believe she went and stepped over the line. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. What is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on, on me. You know, yeah. we kind of hit that shame on me point with this one. And it's, you know, you, you can't excuse it. You got a reliever of her duties on the show and, and any future shows that she was tied yeah. to. So. And the problem is, is she was dumped by her agency, her career in Hollywood television. And no, she was not the best actress as far as from an acting standpoint. No, I mean, not, yeah. you know, but, but her look, the fact that she was physically able to go as a former MMA champion as former strike force champion, she was able to go ahead and have that imposing look that I think a lot of people were very high on her for, in Hollywood for that were offsetting any deficiencies that she had interacting. But be that as it may, once you stepped over the line, like she did the other day, you know what? That's all she wrote. I mean, that, that could leave her out of Hollywood for a long, long time to come. I think she's definitely on the outs and uh, it's, you're right, man. You just, you said it perfectly there. And I, I can't believe I just stepped all over that one. She might be out of Hollywood for a long time to come. Yeah, she will most likely. I mean, once you become familiar with the Hollywood scene and the, and the movies and the television, the way Hollywood works, you understand once you step over that line, it's very hard to come back. It really is. What are your thoughts out there on Gina Carano being fired? from the Mandalorian and also any part of the star Wars universe. In fact, Lucasfilm has said she is not part of the universe at all whatsoever. What are your thoughts on Gina Carano's exit out of the Mandalorian and the star Wars universe? Please share us your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hey, Lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts opinion pieces and discussions about the world champion los angeles lakers well look no further than lakerholics.com with a legion of followers always there talking about everything lakers and the nba there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run so stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, there's so much more to talk about, my friend. Disney, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Disney just reported that they have reached 95 million subscribers. It wasn't too long ago when you and I were talking, when you first started taking over the, the, the hot seat on Fridays, that we were talking about Disney for, what, 40, 50, 55 million. They were yeah, projecting dude. to be somewhere this year at 90 million. Well, they've not only beat that and exceed that, but they're way ahead of the course. But I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on what's going on with Disney+. Plus. I mean, they're way ahead of the curve right now. Obviously, WandaVision, big hit. Obviously, The Mandalorian, huge hit. The fact that they've got both 10 new series coming down the line for Marvel and also Star Wars is just incredible. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with Disney+. Plus. Does Netflix at 200 million subscribers, do they need to start sweating because they are way ahead of the curve? Yeah, I mean, you got to look at what Netflix had. They had a jump start on Disney Plus just based on the membership that changed over from their DVD delivery service to their streaming, right? Like, yes, there were some bumps in the service plan there. You had to pay a little bit more to get the streaming, that kind of thing. But you retained all those users, right? Disney Plus just came in as a streaming service. They didn't have that pre-established user base. They've had to start cold turkey. And it's impressive to see what they've done in a little over a year, man. Like this is, it's, it's really wonderful to see a media company thrive like this. And it's not to say that we didn't think Disney Plus would thrive, but we just didn't think it would thrive at this level. So for me, it's one of those things. I don't think I would be worried as Netflix. I think I would enjoy the healthy competition that there is, right? This drives investors. You know, the, it's one of those things that, the Disney board of directors and the Netflix board of directors are sitting there trying to wage investors against each other right now so that they can grab whatever money they need to make whatever series they need. If you have two high profile companes going at each other, a la Netflix and, and Disney 
what are you going to get? Just high quality content. That's it. So the, the consumer, you and me, the streamer wins at the end of the day. So I'm really looking forward to this. I think that yes, Disney plus needs to be on guard, but as long as they keep producing high quality shows, high quality content, they'll be there. I would be worried when it comes down to the fact that there's no adult content on Disney plus, right? You don't have anything there to entertain the above 18 crowd, the above, you know, 15 crowd, really. If you uh, unless they're into nostalgia and they want to go back and look at all the old films that they watched as a kid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or keep on checking out all the Marvel stuff or the Star Wars stuff. But again, this leads to my, what I've talked to you about before. I understand that they have the bundle that they package here yep. in the, in the States with Hulu and ESPN plus doesn't really quite work it's still kind of a, a little bit of a tangled issue i still think they should go to what they have in several countries around the world and that's the star network which bundles everything in one package and one interface you've got to do it just got you have all the sports you have all the who stuff you have a section where it's adult rated where only adults can go ahead and password protect and, and activate it and then you have of course everything from the disney library so I mean, that's to me is the best and most logical way of doing this and approaching this. I think if they did that and especially offered even live television as a kicker on top of it because of Hulu and the Hulu TV access that they have because Hulu has live TV as opposed to trying to say, okay, we're going to offer you these three different things. We're going to put it at a bundle price. We're going to make it all nice and fancy. It just doesn't work as well. It's just one nice, neat little package. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think the big miss for Disney over the last two years is now not incorporating Star Plus or, you know, Star into the Americas, right? It was the big loss there. I'm with you. If you had a single point of access, just a single app, you would be driving a user base wild, man. Like I would ditch YouTube TV tomorrow if they came out and said, hey, we'll give you Hulu, you know, live TV plus Disney plus plus ESPN plus for $65 a month. Easy. All right there. All right, All right there. there. Easy. Guaranteed. I'm going to walk away. You know that? Like I, I just, there's no reason for me not to walk away from YouTube TV at that point. You've got everything I want. YouTube TV has nothing left to offer me. So yeah, I'm with you there. If we can get a star, star plus equivalent here in the States, I'm on board, man. I just want that single point of sign on. I want that single app to interface with. I want that single app on my Vizio TV that I can just play with nicely. And you've got $65 of my hard earned money a month. I don't know. Disney to me, it really missed out on, on this one. And it's, well, it's not even a go miss. to it. They, well, they yeah, can go to it. It's something I, they have in their back pocket. Something yeah. they have in their back pocket. I was going to say, it's not a miss. I, I have a feeling there's a lot of IP issues here in the States, just based on the way that ESPN is set up, based on the way that Disney and ABC independently have been set up over the years, right? And the fact that they don't own Hulu 100% is another issue. Right, issue. yes. And and that's one of those things. You know, How do they sneak out the 100% ownership of Hulu eventually? And yeah. that's something they need to, I'm sure they're already working on, but you know, if you could sneak out 100% ownership of Hulu and just band together Disney Plus and Hulu, I mean, dude, you're you're crushing at that point. You're Absolutely. Crushing. You know, I mean, like, there's nobody else that's going to hit a home run that out outpaces you from a content, live content perspective, as well as just nostalgic goods content at that. You know, like, it's it's all good. It's all gravy at that point. What I want to ask you real quick before we hit our next subject is this. The 95 million so quickly ahead of expectations to me represents the fact that streaming is so much in demand right now. People were questioning in 2020 HBO Max doing what they did and outlining all those movies going day and date to HBO Max the same day as they go to theaters. Everybody in Hollywood was criticizing it. Everybody also was making fun of Disney Plus, Disney in and of itself putting so much more weight behind its streaming operations. They announced that they would move and make a shift away from their traditional thing that they've made and generated money on and moved it towards the Disney Plus platform. That's not looking like such a bad bet at this point in time because you see what can happen when you build a streaming library that people want to go to. And right now, with all the talk of WandaVision, with all the talk of Falcon and Winter Soldier coming up in March, with all the talk of the hotness that was the Mandalorian where it was just sizzling hot and it was just a talk of the entire pop culture realm, 
right now, Disney Plus has made the smart move. Disney as a company has made the smart move to center so much of its efforts around Disney Plus. And it looks like it's going to be something that in the long run, a year, two years down the line, we could be seeing a shift where people are going to be deciding whether they're Netflix or Disney Plus. You've got to start looking at how you want to position yourself. And it's it's weird to think that we're already taking sides here, but you know, looking a year down the line, I'm telling you, I'm already a Disney Plus person. You know, it's it's I don't want to take sides. I don't I, I want to stay open and, and have access to everything. But you know, if if prices on streaming keep going up, you've got to start taking sides and eventually you're gonna take somebody that has the most content that you want to watch. And I think at this point, Disney, if you could grab a majority ownership of Hulu, I'm in. Well, I'll tell you what, Noe and Fine has one quick question. That's a very good one. Do we think Black Widow will be on Disney Plus day and date going to the 30-buck charge that they are doing for Ryan the Last Dragon that they did for Mulan? Do we think that they're going that route? They haven't announced it yet, but I want to ask you this, Marcus. Do you think Black Widow will be going day and date on Disney Plus? They didn't announce anything on it at the super bowl which is very curious to me so tenuously right now it's still supposed to go to theaters first in may i'm assuming that they're going to hold out to the very last minute and then push it back and then decide from there the next time they push it back they will then commit to whether or not they're going to put it on disney plus or not i don't think it's going to at this break i don't think they're going to keep it on the may i'm hoping i'm wrong because i want to see black widow and i've got two girls that want to see black widow and Rajiv, he made a great point, too, that the age of streaming is coming. You know, Rajiv, I think it's already here. Yeah, I'm with Rajiv. It's already here. I think that what we're doing right now is placating the older generation here of, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and pretend like we actually have a date that we've set in May. But really, we're going to delay this one more time. And depending on how things go with the vaccine rollouts, how the response goes from the masses, you know, we're probably going to end up doing a day and date. And it'll be a one or two month delay. And then we'll have that day and date. And what they'll say is we need time to beef up the infrastructure, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. Tell me what, whatever you have to tell me, but give me that day and date. And I think that Rajiv is right in the sense that streaming is becoming king. It's unfortunate that it's happening because of the pandemic. And even now, I mean, the pandemic has speeded this up. Let's put that out there. But even in a normal environment, had it been just like everybody going as normal, our society was leaning and moving towards a streaming format. So that when we come out of this on the other side, it's still going to be streaming will be a very big part of our lives. Yeah, and I agree with that, dude. And I guess my last thoughts on it is we were walking that direction anyways. Pandemic is what caused us to go from a three-year timeline to a six-month timeline, you know? Yeah. We're at this point, we have to do it, and it's going to happen no matter what. Well, I'll tell you what, Netflix better watch out because they've got someone that's, they're not there breathing down their neck yet, but Disney Plus, they're in the rearview mirror. They're on the horizon now. They're that car that's going a little bit faster than you are on the highway that you can see that you didn't see on the horizon about five minutes before, but they're there now, and they're catching up. So we'll see by the end of this year and especially the end of next year all about how close Disney Plus is to Netflix on the overall subscribers. So it'll be very interesting to see because it does play a difference. It does make a difference. It does show overall that people are satisfied with one product over another or more satisfied by picking it up. Oh, really got to go ahead and get Disney Plus, et cetera, et cetera. So we will definitely give you updates and keep you updated on this battle because it is a battle on how much HBO Max, Peacock, Apple Plus, Netflix, and of course, Disney Plus do because it is your taste and where you want to put your money. One last thought on Black Widow. Noah, I want to make sure and let you know there's strong rumors about Scarlett Johansson's contract that could be an issue as far as why it hasn't been announced day and date with Disney Plus. It may be, in fact, it's it's based more off of box office intake as traditionally holds for some of the top Marvel earners. Come it's been on, based, Disney? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, for instance, Robert Downey Jr., I mean, Chris Evans, they all had rumored to have contracts that were incentivized primarily on box office results. 
so hey, that's, that's on Disney. Would, that's on Disney then. To well, but they would have contract. to go ahead and she would have to agree to a restructuring of her contract for Black Widow and going forward if it's the case and those rumors are true. So okay. I'm not sure on that again, but I've heard that from more than one source out there. So, you know, it's it might be leaning in that way. But again, we did not hear at the Super Bowl any definitive plans on Black Widow, which gives me pause for concern for the future and if it actually still will come out in May. What are your thoughts out there on Disney Plus catching up little by little on Netflix as it approaches 100 million subscribers? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Before we head to the break and TJ Johnson, I'm going to switch things up on you, my friend. Google Stadia, contrary to proper opinion out there, it is still alive. It's actually a great place to play Cyberpunk 2077, one of the very few places to play Cyberpunk 2077 without too many bugs. But the thing is, about a week ago, Google gave the axe to all in-game development. So that means Google is no longer developing any games at this point in time for Stadia. And coming so soon, almost Queeby-like in its, okay, let's announce this, let's go run with this, let's go out of this. It's almost Queeby-like and exiting. It's still live at this point in time, and the, Google still says they're, they're going to put money behind it. But I want to hear your thoughts on Google Stadia. Do you think that it doesn't have much time left? Yeah, dude, it, this is one of those things. It's been around for like 14 or 15 months now. Google Stadia was a really awesome thing when it was announced in the sense that you know, it was basically a cloud-based GPU, cloud-based CPU. You just had to have the hardware that could take in the stream and basically in real time re return data to the cloud-based GPU, CPU combo, you know? So, I mean, like to me, it was awesome, man. You could play games up to 4K. If you're running fast, do you have to have 35 megs per second? Which a uh, lot of people have that. Most people have that here in the States, right? Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of iffy in certain areas. Depends. Okay. Most you people know, in Metroplexes have that. <laughs> okay, well, to get 4K 60 frames per second, you have to have 35 megabits per second. I think that's what the ratio was. 35 would get you 4K. But I think this sends a clear message that even though the prices were not all that different because you still had to get the, the subscriptions, you still had to get the founder edition, and it, it wasn't a console per se. They did send you a controller, but it's still the charges did add up to much of a savings over a console experience. So I want to hear your thoughts on what went wrong with Google Stadia. Yeah, it seems like it just never took off with the, the devs and the, the devs it did take off with, they've recently pissed off and they're walking away from Google Stadia and Google in general. Terraria is the big shout out there. You know, it's it's they, they locked really, his account. Yeah, they 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 pissed off Terraria. And I think that's that's one of those things. As soon as Terraria said we were out this entire platform, and that was just three days ago, seventy two hours ago. You know, as soon as they decided they were gone, they gone. It was that was it, man. Like uh, I don't think this is a long term viable platform. We might get another six, eight months out of it, but unless there's some sort of huge revolution that comes out of Google Stadia, I think this is the end of it. What I want to say is this: this might be a dark day for gamers, and the reason that this never did take off, but the concept of you just having a controller in your hand. Not having a console, yep. but just being able to stream directly off your television or any other device, which was the a key selling point, was that you could do it off a tablet, mobile, et cetera, et cetera, if, if they were able to handle the speeds and be able to have that console-like experience with just a controller and whatever device that you had without the necessary console or disc or anything of that nature, physical content outside of a controller. That was appealing. Unfortunately, it didn't catch on. I hope it's not the last time that somebody will approach this subject as far as doing that with a console-less type experience. But it's going to be a hard sell because if Google cannot get it right, who can? That's the billion-dollar question right there, Gerald. I think uh, back up the Brinks truck, and if you answer that question, I will empty it out for you. Okay, well, you know, I'll have to see. I'll, I'll call Brinks and see what we can do to back up that Brinks truck <laughs> by your house. But what are your thoughts out there on Google Stadia? Do you think it's on its last legs because they're no longer doing any in-house development for any software at this point in time? 
It's just going to be based off of third-party stuff, which is not a good sign for the long-term future for Google Stadia, which is very disappointing to see. I hope all the individuals involved that got laid off will find work elsewhere within the video game industry, but we definitely want to hear your thoughts on if this is the end of Google Stadia, which you know we kind of laughed at at various points of time, but still, we wanted this to become a viable gaming platform, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Share us your thoughts on Google Stadia's future, and if there might be another future for a console-less streaming platform, let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next is TJ Johnson, and right after the break, after that, we're going to go ahead and hit Marcus's thoughts on the NASCAR season. So we're looking forward to that on the back half of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back. It's Gerald coming right back at you here with Mr. TJ Johnson. <laughs> Always trying to catch up to him here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, but I wanted to ask him this in regards to not just one video game that is important to 2021, but two video games that are important to 2021, each for its own reason. For the first one, we're going to go ahead and just talk something you, I know you and I have spoken about at length before, and that is Mass Effect with the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the trilogy, of course, mm. of one, two, and three now being announced with an official street date of May 14th. I wanted to ask you your opinions and thoughts on it. I know you're excited, as am I, to delve back into the Mass Effect universe. Do you think this will be something that, from what you're hearing, will be a true... It's not going to be a remake, per se, but it's going to be a nice bump up to today's modern consoles for this vaunted trilogy. Just the idea of talking about Mass Effect has me all uh, a flutter right now. I have, to, I have to catch my breath. But with that being said, I don't think this is going to be a next-gen version. In fact, I've seen reports that have said that while it's optimized for the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, it'll run on the PS5 and the Series yes. X and S, but it's not optimized for those uh, particular consoles. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not room for that in the future, but their focus is still on, I guess you consider that past gen, if we not consider the current gen, I'm not 100% sure where we are. If we're current, if we're in the next or whatever you want to fall in that spectrum. However, to say that I am excited is selling it way short. I think the vast majority of my adulthood, if you will, uh, I've got to enjoy the Mass Effect series. I've pretty much grown up with that series. Um, it was the first RPG that I dived into that I was just completely, completely enamored with. Even going back as far as I play, I remember playing Nice of the Old Republic both one and two and enjoying both of those. Obviously, the Star Wars geek in me enjoyed the idea of lightsaber duels and and exploring the galaxy in a Millennium Falcon type vehicle. But Mass Effect was the first one that I felt like it was my story. And the reason I can say this, because obviously we we have the character editor and even on Knights of the Republic, you have the character editor. So you can edit the avatar to look the way you wanted to. I would edit the avatar to look like myself. But what was really cool about that is that the same avatar progressed throughout the entirety of the saga. So it wasn't like I created this avatar and then all of a sudden he was a different person. He was a different person. No, this was my avatar, the one that I created from back in what was the first Mass Effect? 2007. 2007. That's yep, correct. 2007. So the first Mass Effect back in 2007, all the way up until Mass Effect 3, this was the character that I created. So it was a very, very personal connection with this story and with this franchise. And there were a lot of personal things that I was going through in my life during that particular span of time. And one of my most... If I if I can, one of the one of the better memories that I have was being able to just kind of turn everything off and and dive into the world of Mass Effect, trying to save the the galaxy from the Reaper threat and the Reaper invasion. So uh, I'm extremely excited. Extremely excited. I've already seen a lot of clips, a lot of screenshots. I, I'd like to see some pure gameplay if I can, because I haven't seen that yet. But I have enjoyed what I've seen thus far in regards to the way the 
this, the, the resolutions have been updated. Uh, the character models have been updated. Uh, I've heard that they're trying to be a little bit more inclusive and, and not have so many gratuitous shots of uh, scantily clad or scantily uh, dressed aliens and women and just trying to make it a little bit more inclusive, which is always a great thing because you want to get as many people enjoying this as possible, especially with the fact that this is something that Bioware really, really needs to nail right now. They've had such a dismal uh, performance on the previous generation, the Xbox One and the PS4, that we really, and when I say we, like I'm part of the team, but Bioware really, really needs a win. Obviously, Andromeda was it was a bit of a bust. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed it because I really wanted to enjoy Mass Effect, if that makes sense. I, I wanted to enjoy the idea of a Mass Effect. So I enjoyed it, but by and large, it was a it was a critical bust. Obviously, Anthem is not performing the way that they would like it to perform, although I have to admit they still continue to support Anthem, so that's a kudos to them, but it's just not performing the way they wanted to perform. So they really, really, really need a win right now. And yeah. this is a... This is a great opportunity to get that win in the public eyes with the fans. It's something that we've been clamoring for. We've been asking for a remaster of the Mass Effect series probably since right after Mass Effect 3 ended. We kind of want a remaster, especially going back to play the first one with an updated control scheme, updated mini games. The, the Mako, from what I understand, has been updated to not be as clunky. And even though I, I have fond memories of the Mako, I, I get that there was a bit of a handling characteristics that they like to have updated so just are just people who outright do not enjoy the making <laughs> yeah. at all oh yeah yeah there's there's quite a few the, the 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 pages are full of people who just hate Mako. they hope they get rid of it so yeah uh, i'm excited and uh while i don't think it's going to be this beast of a game as far as using the next gen systems uh, i am excited to see the higher res the hdr the ray tracing if they put ray tracing in there which i, I don't know if they will or not but I'm just excited to see uh, an updated Mass Effect um, and continue the story of Shepard, if you will. Absolutely. I'm excited to return to the Mass Effect universe. I can't wait to go ahead and see it in better resolution. Mm -hmm. Almost all of the DLC outside of one Pinnacle Station, which unfortunately they could not recover the source code for. So mm -hmm. that was, mm -hmm. I don't think too many people, I think at the time it wasn't very beloved. It got poor ratings. So obviously at mm -hmm. the time it wasn't beloved by Mass Effect fans, but now a lot of people are up in arms over exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it wasn't beloved, it's still people are like, oh, oh, it's not in there, it's not in there, it's not gonna it's be the whole a, thing. It's not a it's not a remaster, it's not a it's not the legendary edition, it doesn't have pitiful station. Yeah, so it's it's so <laughs> funny how that is. And then of course, no Mass Effect 3 multiplayer because it would take more extended time. It looks like that EA has and Bioware have only allotted so much staff, mm -hmm. so much in resources to this, mm -hmm. even though you and I think that not only this would be a big financial win for them, they're basically trying to maximize profits is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the most out of very little at this mm -hmm. point in time, as far as mm -hmm. very little upkeep, very little maintenance very little restoration of this and they're trying to get it out the door with as little as possible which for many fans like you and i that's good enough mm -hmm. but i'm hoping that it will be enough for bringing new fans who would then become excited for a mass effect 4 because mm -hmm. i'm forgetting about andromeda when i say that a mass effect <laughs> 4 coming down the line after the next dragon age so that's i think the point what they're trying to do they're trying to maximize as much as they can of profits and show that mass effect still has an audience out there yeah and truth be told I, they don't have to look very far the mass effect audience is rabid and and we've been thirsting for a real mass effect experience and you know i i agree with you in regards to they're they're trying to get the most with while doing the the least and as I think about it, you know, this is a great love letter to fans, right? A way to say, hey, you guys have been asking for it. We're going to give it to you. But at the same way, this is just an easy cash in for, for EA. And I think they knew that. And that was one of the things that they kind of held on to that little silver bullet. And they knew that whenever they wanted to pull the trigger on it, people were going to fly to it um, as if they had never seen it before. They were going to just flock to it. So they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Hold on for so long. I mean, we've been calling for a Mass Effect remake, uh, remaster for years and years and years now. And, yeah, they finally said, you know what, we've got enough uh, bad cred right now. We kind of need something. 
Uh, we need a, a win. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and pull that out now that the time is right for it. So it's, it's all a matter of seasons. And and I appreciate that we're finally getting it. Uh, I wish it's been a little bit sooner, but hey, I'm happy. I can give, go Mass Effect 1 again. Absolutely. As am I. Hopefully less time as being advertised that you will spend in the elevator if you choose to. <laughs> That option is being made available where you can actually spend the entire time on it that you used to in 2007. But right. I'm glad that they're going to go ahead and make other things available for it as far as some tweaks, some upgrades, mm -hmm. some things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, all kidding aside, as far as how much time they're going to spend into it, it's just going to be nice to go back into the Mass Effect universe once yeah. again. Cyberpunk 2077, and I had an important question for you. Because of all the uproar, the initial great sales, then finding out that the current consoles, I should say the current, I guess the previous saying, consoles yeah. technically, yeah, the Xbox One, PlayStation 4 generation. There you go. <laughs> editions were extremely poor and not ready to come out. And they were trashed beyond all description by all over social media, by players everywhere. I lost interest in the series because of the fact that it was so problematic for a game that I wanted to get, for a system I wanted to get it for. And the problems therein acclimated for the PlayStation 5 or high-end PC or the Xbox Series X that it only seems to run okay on. But for the majority of players out there who have PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, they were left short because of the fact that this version of Cyberpunk 2077, when it was released, was mm. so bad. Mm. Tune in to a couple months later. There's been some fixes. There's been some updates. But I want to ask you this. As someone who has played Cyberpunk 2077, mm. is it time to go back into the world of Cyberpunk for those individuals that have shied away from it no no it's 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 been updated and there have been some hot fixes and there have been hot fixes to fix the hot fixes but to answer your question directly no it's it's not ready for previous gen and i think i've heard that the developers have even said that they would still have needed a year um to have it ready for the xbox one and ps4 with all the bugs and the different things that they um in the game no, if, if you're still on current gen systems, I, I, I still wouldn't recommend it just because you're going to be more frustrated with the experience. The unfortunate part of the Project Red is that they had such good graces and people were so willing to just believe them after The Witcher 3 and how great of a game that was. But people will have very, very short memories. If you remember when The Witcher 3 came out, granted it was a full game, but it was buggy. It was super yeah. buggy, just like a Bethesda game. It was, it, was just, it was just a buggy game. It was one of those things that you kind of just endured but they dedicated themselves to fixing the game and they did so. So is it time to dive back into the world of Cyberpunk 2077? The answer is no. If you have current gen system, Xbox One, PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox One S, all the Xboxes previous gen. If you're still working with those, then the answer is no. However, the caveat is CD Projekt Red has, as far as I'm concerned, earned the ability to win us back they've done it with the witcher 3 and witcher 3 outside of the mass effect series is probably my favorite game of all time um i spent that much time in it i've beaten it multiple times i've made save files just go back and try the different paths and just to see the different endings and whatnot that could have happened so i, I i'm a huge fan of that game and i made it my business to make sure that I, I didn't return Cyberpunk 2077. You know, there was a whole option to return it and I could have returned it and found it a whole lot cheaper elsewhere, but I wanted CD Projekt Red to continue to have the money that I, I, I gave them because I truly do believe in the product that they tend to put out. The game that I've played, the Cyberpunk 2077 that I've played is a fantastic game. It really, really is. It's very immersive. The main storyline is relatively quick, if you will. You could probably get that done in about 20 hours, but there's so much to do in that game. There's so many things to see, so many alleys to to drive down, so many doors to open and things to, to just enamor yourself with this within this world. The game can easily last you 40, 50, 60 hours if you, if you allow yourself to truly be involved and do those type of things, the side quests. And some of the side quests are better than the main missions, to be honest with you. Like, it's just that big of a game. The main story, yes, can be done quickly, but there's so much more to do after that, that I'm still excited for the world of Cyberpunk 2077, and I'm excited for the DLC that they have going to come out. They haven't announced exactly what that DLC is yet, but that's because they're more focused on getting the bugs out and allowing more people to enjoy the game. 
which by the way has already still made them a hefty profit because this is the most downloaded game i want to say ever like this they they made a ton of money on cyberpunk 2077 so to see them still committed to it after they made that money does good to me as far as i'm concerned i'm i'm, I'm glad to see that but before we head on out, I really want to get your thoughts on this. And that is Sony recently in one of their latest investor meetings, you know, I say where they report how much the money they made, revenue, everything, et cetera, et cetera, this past week. One of the things that they did report was the success so far of the PlayStation 5, you know, as it relates to the sales to the end of 2020. And they reported four and a half million sold of PlayStation 5s early on so far in this generation between them and the Xbox Series X. Because like many people, I don't consider Nintendo Switch on that same generation. I think they're you know, somewhere in the middle. They always go ahead and do everything halfway through the other consoles generations. And right. they don't directly compete per se in regards to that. But I want to hear your thoughts on four and a half million so far. I don't think Xbox is quite up there in that range yet. I know that they plan on by March having well over seven half million shipped as far as PlayStation fives are concerned by March, at least. So I want to hear your thoughts. It looks like people that are out there are saying that PlayStation five has taken an early lead. Do you think like the last console generation that it's going to be having a lead for good this time around, or can Xbox do anything to make up ground? Okay, that's that's a two-folded question. Now, if we're just talking about pure hardware sales, I think that PlayStation has a lead, absolutely, as far as units sold. And there's there's no denying that. Now, my personal take is that I think what Sony and PlayStation have done is that they created this wheel, right? They've created this wheel of giving you a little bit, very similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe situation with WandaVision. They keep giving you little bit of drops, little drops here and there. The demand for those drops becomes so fever pitched it is such a societal thing right now to purchase a playstation 5 i don't i think people that even don't care anything about playstation 5 but they can't get it is just creating this desire to have it just for the sake of having it and then they let the demand for it become fever pitched again let people buy it up and they let the demand kind of stay hot they let the demand for it stay relevant so saying that to say you've got things like brand recognition the Sony PlayStation brand has been the brand, especially if I'm if I'm being honest with you, in, in the African American community. The first brand that we always thought about was PlayStation. The very first console I I owned, well, outside of the Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, but when I got into my my grown man gaming, if you will, the first console I owned was a Sony PlayStation. I didn't buy an Xbox until 2000 and I don't know 2004. 2006 maybe i want to say it was a few years after i got to graduate high school that i finally bought my first xbox so the playstation brand has been ingrained and especially a lot of us as this generation coming forward as the home console that's just that was what we played so saying that to say there's going to be brand recognition that comes into play here there's going to be just loyalty that comes into play that's just what we know now here's the also the, the flip side to that coin is that Microsoft doesn't care. While they want the hardware sales, they want to have their new consoles in home, they want to have their Series S in homes. That's not the focus. The focus is on this connected generational gaming, this connected universe of gaming. They want to be able to, this family, if you will, they want to be able to incorporate the Xbox One in this gaming family. And they don't want you to necessarily have to advance to the Xbox Series S or X. The bigger, more important aspect of Microsoft's approach is the Game Pass. The Game Pass is the be-all, end-all to Microsoft's approach. If they can put the Game Pass in each and every home that owns an Xbox, then it's game over. They're not worried about the hardware sales. The hardware sales are going to make up for themselves. Rather, you have the Xbox purists who want the next gen, they want the brand new, or you have the ones that are a little more casual. If they have a subscription to Xbox Game Pass, if they have a subscription to that, then that is really what the driving force is for Xbox right now. It's yes. not the hardware sales. Now, yes. with that being said, their focus is not on hardware sales and they're not far behind PlayStation. PlayStation still does not have a viable service to compete with the Game Pass. And yes, they're selling more console units than Xbox. That's great. But if the Xbox was solely focused on selling console units, then there's a chance that they could have done that too. The Xbox console is the better console. 
And now that companies are having more time with it, you're seeing the fruits of that labor come through with Xbox games. Every game that comes out cross-platform has proven to run better. I think the only exception, the only caveat that I've seen so far, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is Control Ultimate Edition. The Control yeah. Ultimate Edition plays slightly better on the PlayStation 5 than it does on the Xbox Series X, but it's only slightly better. Any other game that has come out for both platforms has been proven statistically to play better on the Xbox Series X. So they have the better console. They have the better product right now. The PlayStation has is brand loyalty, is recognition. That's the gamer's platform. That's what they go to. With the only caveat to that being the Xbox 360 back in 2000, was it 2005? That's the only caveat to that. Anything else has been PlayStation, and that's fine. But that's not even Microsoft's focus anymore. Microsoft's focus now is solely to get people to buy into the Game Pass. And when you buy into the Game Pass, you're hooked in for that 13 bucks a month or whatever the price point of it is, and you're locked into that. That's where the money is for Xbox right now. It's not in the console sales. They don't care if you get a new Xbox Series S. If you want one and they have one for you, by all means, they want you to have it. But as long as you're connected to the Xbox family through the Game Pass, that's where the money is for them. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and how much closer or can Xbox close that gap that they couldn't on the previous mm-hmm. console generation. It'll be interesting to see how this new console generation plays out. And hopefully the biggest winners will be us. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the biggest thing I worry about. So Yeah, I think we will. I think we will indeed. I know there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to once I can finally get my hands on one. I know you do, and I'm still envious to this very day. So we will go ahead and leave it at that. And because <laughs> it just, you know, we'll chat my hide for here for the rest of the day. We are like, oh, TJ hasn't, I don't have <laughs> If you had to pick one, okay, well, now I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to pick uh-huh. one, which one do you want? Xbox Series X. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I didn't even hesitate. Uh, you didn't hesitate. <laughs> no, and that's because the fact that it is more powerful and the Bethesda deal, mm-hmm. I think, is going to play a role in that for me. Although I will have both. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at both right now as far as, in fact, I'm looking at all three of the current generation that I have. And I will eventually have all of those. Just depends on when. Like if a new Uncharted is announced, yeah. <laughs> Gonna have a PlayStation Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't help it. Can't help it. That would turn me that way in a second. So eventually, I will have a PlayStation Five. But if I have to choose one, I have five hundred dollars, and they say, okay, both available, and both are on the store shelves. I'm gonna pick the Xbox because of what I think for the future, and also the Games Pass. Uh, I think that Mm -hmm. model and subscription base is very appealing to me. That I don't have to go ahead and rush out and buy dozens of games physically when I can have them all right there for me at the touch of a button. So I think that's uh, pretty much what it comes down to right now. But again, PlayStation will learn from that going forward and we'll see what happens. But my friend has been so awesome talking to you. And if I can track him down, I will go ahead and bring him back on. But that's all up to him, not me. I tracked you down this time, buddy. Don't That's not fair. Yes. Okay. Okay. You got me this time. We'll see about next time, though. The one in a hundred times, right? Yes, the one in a hundred times, indeed. But it is my good friend TJ Johnson, and I'll tell you what, TJ, it's always great having you part of the show, part of the program, and part of the pop culture cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much TJ Johnson for being on the program today. Cannot thank him enough for doing that and sharing his thoughts on Cyberpunk 2077, Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition, and also as well Sony and where they are at PS5. But before we head on out, my friend, it's been a great conversation today. Cannot thank Rajiv, Noah, Buddy Gold. Thank you so much for the thumbs up. Jordan Adler, thank you so much for the thumbs up. But before we head on out, it's NASCAR season, my friend. Daytona 500, it's around the corner as we're talking about this. 
your thoughts on the NASCAR season, your favorite, and some dark horses as well. Bubba Wallace is looking really great. He jumped over to the number 23 car with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin Racing, their 2311 racing team. And it's looking great, man. It, they've come out strong. But over the last three years, he's been a great plate track driver. And Chase Elliott looked really, really, really strong in the clash, as did Ryan Blaney. I think those are two names to watch this year. You know, you're always going to have a veteran that comes in, the Keselowski or the Harvick, or even Kyle Busch is starting to become that, that veteran driver, right? Like, he's he's won a few championships now. I mean, like, hey, man, you're up there. You're no longer that mid-tier upstart. You're not that middle-tier driver. You are the veteran now. But going over to the rest of the season, I just want your prediction as far as what we could do as far as the season is concerned. It's, it's one of those things. I think you look at Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott. Those are my two right there. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, look at Kyle Busch as well. And I think this might be a big year for Kurt Busch as well. He's done a lot of testing for the next gen car. There's something about him. I think the confidence, the swagger is back in Kurt Busch. Watch him to be maybe the 2021 cup champion. Ooh, that's going out there right now. He's listed as a 20 to one. So you put some money down on him, 20 to one. I'm thinking a little bit different. I went with Kevin Harvick. I think Kevin Harvick is still someone that's got a strong car. I think he's got a, yeah, and I think he's at 16 and one. I think he's you can put some money on him. I think you've got a really good shot. Kyle Bush is at 16 to one. That's really far up for me as well. Kind of figure how you could go ahead and put both those guys below William Byron now at 14 to one. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but Ryan Blaney, I know he's a favorite at 10 to one. And of course, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott are the two top individuals, Joey Logano as well. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kevin Harvick for me is probably still, again, he's, he's not my favorite driver, but I just, he had such a great year in parse last year. I just think he needs to go ahead and get it in clutch time as far as it's concerned. If it kind of fell apart in the playoffs, but I will go ahead and say, I think he's going to pull it through this year. Looking at a dark horse, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Yes, Buddy Gold. Matt Kenseth is still races. He still is out there. Matt Kenseth is still out there. So he's still out there going strong. And in fact, he is listed as, well, actually, he might even finish the whole season, correct? He's only a part-time driver? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be back full-time this season. He might pick up a, a race or two this season, but he's not going to okay. be full-time. But if you really, 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 really are interested in a dark horse, look at Eric Jones. I think uh, him at the 43 team, that's a new destination for him this season. I think that's a chance for Richard Petty Motorsports to maybe capture two or three wins this season. Well, there you go. As a dark horse, I can't believe I'm saying this, my friend. At 20-1, to 1, Martin Truex Jr. It's 20-1. to 1. Good money right there. Tantalizing. He just, he just signed his contract renewal through 2022. I mean, that might be a happy man. That might be a winner. That might be a winner indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on NASCAR? Who might take it this year all the way and rev up those engines vroom, 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 to go ahead all the way to get that checkered flag in the NASCAR playoffs this year? We want to hear your thoughts, sports fans and racing fans out there. Cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, Marcus, it's been awesome having you here. But before we head on out, I think you and I both want to go ahead and give a special congratulations in order to our fellow host in the world. And that is Mr. Josh Peterson, who this weekend will be off from the Pop Culture Cosmos because he's getting married. And so I wanted to go ahead and to one of my amigos who I've been with now for several years now, seemingly, probably for him many, many, too many years. I do want to say for the heart band. Wishing you all the best, wishing you much love, and hoping you two will go ahead and make a full lifetime together and a happy one and a healthy one. But on the Pop Culture Cosmos, we're going to be talking WandaVision and so much more. Any last thoughts before we head on out? No, I just want to say congrats to Josh and his new wife. And you guys have a future ahead of you that's boundless. It's limitless, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy the time off. And we've got you guys covered for Monday and whatever else you need. Let us know. We still got a lot planned for you on Monday's show, the Pop yep. Culture Cosmos. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including WandaVision Episode 6. Noe and Fine's going to stop on by to share his thoughts on that. We're going to be sharing our thoughts on that. I'm yep. hoping my daughter will be able to share her thoughts on that. 
plus also as well the borderlands movie another big name has been added we'll go ahead and tell you about that on the monday show plus also as well we're going to be talking a new wizard of oz are we off to see the wizard once again the wonderful wizard of oz plus hbo max goes with a lot more adult cartoons including a cartoon that longtime scooby-doo fans have been asking for so we'll go ahead and talk about that on the monday show plus as you know we always cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each week right here at the pop culture cosmos so for marcus de la garza this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pcc multiverse we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great First, let's talk nerdy. It's two nerd girls talking about nerdy things over a couple of drinks. What could go wrong? Part of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.